Welcome to the second ever episode of Value Stack. My name is Bo, otherwise known as Shaper Funds on Twitter. I'm accompanied by my esteemed co-host, Zach, BTC BAP. And uh, today we're going to do things a little bit differently. Uh, we are doing a crash course on what Bitcoin is for the newbie listeners, also um, anyone who is excited as we are and likes to listen to anything about Bitcoin. So bullish, dude, I've got my coffee. We're ready to go. I'm about to give a Bitcoin masterclass. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> yeah, tw 20 minute Bitcoin masterclass. Uh, unfortunately, I scheduled something this afternoon. So constraints lead to creativity. World, so, just just so you know, world, this guy skis and plays golf in the same business day. In the same, well, it's not even a business day. He gets more done in your off days than most people do in business days. I uh, I skied Copper Mountain, Colorado this morning, and I uh, I'll, I'll be golfing eighteen holes this afternoon. So Dude, um, you're gonna but, hate a full eighteen, huh? Yeah, yeah. Wow. So there's no time to waste. Uh, Bitcoin. What is it? Why don't you start from the very beginning, Zach? Tell us a little bit about what Bitcoin is, where it started, who started it, and take it. All right. Ooh, what is Bitcoin? Um, it is essentially uh, numbers and numbers. It's a zero and a one, like all things on computers are, um, which is why it's crazy to ban it. Um, but more or less abstract speaking, it is um, a program that has a native currency into it, a, a native sort of tracking value, that native thing that tracks value inside of its own ecosystem called a Bitcoin. So there's Bitcoin, the network, which is like the capital B, and there's the lowercase Bitcoin, which is the Bitcoin, the asset, which is native to the Bitcoin, the network. Um, Bitcoin's like many other cryptocurrencies, although Bitcoin was first, uh, has its own native, uh, blockchain, uh, because that's essentially what it is, is a blockchain. And, uh, but it's also, uh, many other parts. The blockchain is only one part of Bitcoin. Um, blockchain is where all the records are stored, but the miners, the nodes, um, the supply, uh, the supply distribution, the difficulty adjustment. These are all parts of Bitcoin, but aren't necessarily all blockchain. So, uh, but Bitcoin's common in that. And uh, the, the unique thing about it is that unlike most cryptocurrencies that have their own blockchains and their own, you know, own, exist within them, Bitcoin's supply is finite uh, and it requires physical energy in order to actually get them. And if you try to cheat it, you won't win and you'll lose all the physical energy that you exerted trying to cheat the system. So, you know, over a better part of a decade, people started to figure that out. Uh, and here we are today where it's like for $60,000 per Bitcoin. Well, it was. Um, so that's, I mean, Bitcoin is a lot of things. It's a discipline, uh, multidisciplinary uh, pinnacle of many different inventions put together. Um, but what is Bitcoin to you? Uh, so, so Bitcoin to me is its own monetary system, which um, we, I think we both started to talk about things that are a, a bit complex and out there, but 
I think starting at the basics, like the blockchain, like I didn't know that Satoshi Nakamoto invented the blockchain until recently. And I'm so embarrassed by that. For some reason, I thought blockchain technology had been here and then he figured out a way to make it into a online digital currency. Other way around, actually. So B, uh, there was like D, uh, digi, digi B money and digi cash and like other, um, I, I don't even, I was so young when these came out. Uh, e gold and B money, I think were some. And what happened is like, they all were not able to be centrally um, verified that, you know, people were either, they were either issuing them centrally or, which doesn't solve the problem because uh, we're right back to federal, you know, reserve in that case, or, we are uh, double spending. And so the blockchain occurred, which was the invention that combined with the difficulty mechanism. And those are what made Bitcoin kind of this like breakthrough, but it wasn't the first cryptocurrency. So I'm glad you mentioned that because a lot of people don't realize that like cryptocurrencies actually came before uh, Bitcoin and not the common form that you know today and maybe cryptocurrency is not the right uh let's not say, the let's right, say di- not the digital right digital money digital, cash, exists. digital money right internet digital money, money ex- internet money existed before but what with yeah, the blockchain- and paypal and paypal was trying to make that was what paypal was founded to do and i sent you some texts earlier about peter thiel it's no surprise that he's a bitcoiner now because uh paypal was founded to create an internet money and they realized that they didn't have the right way to do it so they abandoned that part of the business and sent money via email instead but having this like decentralized version of cash has been a, a human invention that's been in desire you know people have been trying to do for a long time so so with digital cash it's uh it's a lot like a file on your computer like uh the, you you need some central entity to say that this file is good this file isn't but the thing about typical computer files is that they're you can copy them you right. create new new files. So I send you a picture, you send your friend a picture, and now everyone has a picture. Uh, but what the blockchain is, is it's a it's a one ledger where everything that has happened before is recorded and everything that continues to occur on the blockchain iterates on what has already occurred before. And everyone who hosts the network hosts that copy. Post the copy. So there is only one form of each transaction, or there's all kinds of things that exist on the blockchain now, but there is only one time that this thing happened and every company or every computer verifies that 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 happened. So that, I guess, is a blockchain in the simplest way I can explain it. Yeah, I mean, the, the real breakthrough is triple entry accounting. So in a single entry accounting, I give you, you know, I give you the money and you give me a receipt or sorry, that's in single entry accounting is like, I give you money. Let's say you're a bank and you say, cool, thanks. We'll put it on our records that you owe us some money. Double entry accounting expands upon that and says, okay, not only am I going to put it on my books, I'm the bank. And not only am I going to put it on my books that you have your money here, but I'm actually going to, I'm actually going to give you a receipt that you can also prove to everybody that you have your money here. And then triple entry accounting came along just recently this last decade or in 2008. And that was, okay, I've got your money. You know that you've got a receipt of it. And 
we have broadcast a cryptographic receipt to the entire network. That way you don't even need to have a physical receipt because the entire network has a receipt. So you, me, and everybody, we all have proof that the transaction occurred. And triple entry accounting is like really what blockchain um, is. And so that is the true breakthrough. Uh, and using it was uh, what we came to find out was crucial to unlocking and solving the Byzantine general problem, the double spending problem, the copying files problem that you mentioned yeah. uh, and so forth. Okay, so th th there's blockchain um, as eloquently and concise as we can make it. Now let's talk about how Bitcoin is scarce. Zach, how is Bitcoin scarce? Um, so Bitcoin is scarce because of the halvings and the supply cap. So two factors really are at work at the same time. The first is that every four years, the amount of Bitcoin that are created every year gets cut in half, uh, or really more specifically, every block, um, the Bitcoin are cut in half um, every four years. Like every each block, the reward is, is cut in half. So when Bitcoin first came out, every 10 minutes, which is the average block time, and we can talk about the difficulty adjustment and how it hits 10 minutes, but it's supposed to be roughly every 10 minutes. And so let's just use 10 minutes for simplicity's sake. Every 10 minutes, 50 Bitcoin were created. And then four years later, once a certain number of blocks hit, 210,000 to be specific, then 25 Bitcoin were created, then 210,000 blocks, uh, 12 and a half are created, and then 210,000 blocks, six and a quarter are created. And that's where we're at today, six and a quarter. In 2024, it'll be 3.125 one point you know and it goes and forth until eventually it hits zero um but it hits it gets close to zero pretty pretty quick uh yeah. and by by 2032 that number will be less than one bitcoin per 10 minutes and right now we're at six so you should probably get some <laughs> yeah now it's a ton uh bitcoin just sold off about 10 percent, so great time to buy this is not financial advice we are not your fiduciaries and do your own research but yep. um, thanks, thanks for listening, Nafal, and everyone else. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not uh, financial yeah. advice, but like it's good advice. <laughs> it's not financial advice, though. <laughs> so, okay, so Bitcoin halves. But basically what, what Zach is saying is that there is a certain supply of Bitcoin that exists today that you can go out and right. purchase. There's right. so also the way... Bitcoin that doesn't yet exist, and Bitcoin inflates like other currencies. But it's the way that it inflates. So like over the next 100 years, hardly, not many new Bitcoin are created. Right. We, we've already created a lot of Bitcoin. So the Bitcoin that's, uh, will the terminal uh, value or the terminal supply of Bitcoin is not that far off and Bitcoin will continue to inflate slowly and slower and slower and slower until it's not inflating anymore. And every Bitcoin that will ever be created right. will be created. And so. I think, and I think, Bill, that's a good point. The, um, this having was particularly timely because a few sort of May, 2020 for those. Yeah. yeah. So what happened last having was the federal reserve started printing a ton of money, just creating, uh, a situational, need for a currency that isn't getting printed to oblivion. But on top of that, 
I think it was just the timing of the having too, because in the last having, you know, what do they, I think we talked about the CPI in the last episode. We talked, you know, the CPI is like the average, the thrown around inflation measure or PCE. Either way, they're both like one or 2%. Um, and the last having brought Bitcoin's inflation rate down from three and a half to roughly 1.7. So you could say that previously Bitcoin was a hype, you know, inflating faster, inflating its supply faster than the US dollar and other fiat currencies up until the, the most recent having. Now, that's absolutely the opposite case. Um, and any point forward from here, Bitcoin will have far less inflation until it eventually gets to zero. But even relatively speaking to fiat currencies, you know, a couple of years ago, fiat currencies were, were increasing at 5% a year, or, or, but Bitcoin was increasing at 10% a year in, in, in inflation rate. So, but, so the, so the, 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 every four year having combined with the supply cap of 21 million. And so what happens is eventually like that 21 million, many people think that that's like a chosen number. That was not a chosen number. 21 million is not like a number that Satoshi picked out of their butt. Like 21 million is all of the having rewards all like average, like added up. It's actually not 21 million. It's 20 million nine hundred ninety nine thousand point nine nine seven or something like that. Like, is it one of those numbers that you get when you multiply one by two and then two by two and then four by two and then eight by two? So it's what you get when you cut the halving every four, every 210,000 blocks. If you do a block every 10 minutes, then the first, you know, 50 Bitcoin times 10 minutes times seven days a week plus 25 Bitcoin times 10 minutes plus six and a quarter and 12 and you know, and like you add them all up and it comes out to 20 million iron, like by, at the end of time, it hits that it's actually so so the way that the Bitcoin supply chart works is it's like this. Yeah. And, and that like flattening of the curve, the real flattening of the curve, sorry, Fauci, the real flattening of the curve <laughs> is at 21 million Bitcoin. And so that but that's not like a, a chosen number that was derived uh, upon. Thank you. Okay. Next, ne next, uh, next thing we'll talk about with Bitcoin. It's decentralized and borderless. What does that mean? So it's decentralized in that a miner cannot overtake the network. What is a miner? Yeah. So someone that spends electricity to process Bitcoin transactions and guarantee their authenticity by solving a puzzle. Thank you. So these puzzles get increasingly harder and harder to solve the more people that mine. Uh, and so miners are crucial because there are checks and balances system to the nodes. Um, the nodes are the non-mining nodes. Really, they're all nodes because if you're a miner, you're a node too. But in more generally colloquialisms, it's just referred to as miners and nodes. So the miners verify, they expend all the electricity, and they get the block reward when Bitcoin are created. In exchange for the reward, they process everybody's Bitcoin transactions, and they also collect tra transaction fees um, when you send your Bitcoin. Because eventually, there'll be no more Bitcoin block subsidy. You won't get any more Bitcoin when they're created. When all 21 million are created, the only way to earn Bitcoin will be uh, through working for it or as a miner, in a miner's case at least, 
um, processing the blocks tr with transaction fees. And so there's a long debate on like, will transaction fees be enough to cover block subsidies in the future? And the answer is yes, duh. But we'll get to that in another episode. So um, the, the miners cannot manipulate the blockchain uh, unless they have 51% of the mining hash power. And the hash power is just like the computing power. So the harder Bitcoin gets to mine, the less likely it is that one institution or even a group of coer coercive institutions have enough hash power to do so. And so it's very important that we continue to uh, advocate for Bitcoin mining in America and remove that centralization out of China uh, and out of just countries that don't want Americans to have Bitcoin because they want them. Uh, don't be like Turkey. Yeah, yeah. Or India, who's banning Bitcoin. Like, it's, it's crazy. So, um, but anyway, you know, like, so the miners have like a checks and balance system and the nodes are the other side that has a checks and balance. So nodes are the users who don't mine, but who verify the miners transactions. So if you're a miner and you expend all of this electricity to mine Bitcoin and it's a bullshit transaction, you try to give yourself more Bitcoin than you actually have, then the nodes are going to reject it. And then your block gets rejected and all the electricity that you just spent and all the machinery and all that stuff, it's all wasted. You get nothing. So it's kind of like this, beautiful checks and balances system that works on itself without requiring any central coordination. And I tear up just talking about it because it's such a genius invention. Like, um, so the nodes are, are, are the way that the miners can't cheat and the nodes are the way to get representation, uh, as a Bitcoin user. So, you know, the only way to really truly verify that your Bitcoin are your Bitcoin and not trust anyone is to run your own node. Um, and verify that all the transactions are according to your rules. So Bitcoin's upgraded many times throughout the years, and uh, the upgrades are contentious because not all the time do all the nodes agree to the upgrades. Like, they don't always think they're the best thing. You're kind of seeing that play out with this taproot upgrade right now. And, like, I know it's, like, very deep and detailed, and we, like, we won't get into it, but the point is that, like, users don't have to upgrade uh, to these uh, upgrades, and they, they can choose to user-activated soft fork the chain and if they don't like it. So it truly is like, at least to this day, the best version of a decentralized organization of people. And I don't mean organization as, as in like a company because Bitcoin is not a company. Like that's why they can't sue the CEO of Bitcoin because there isn't one. Yeah. Um, so let, 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 me, uh, let me try to dumb that down a little bit. Uh, Bitcoin is a, is a protocol and developers are constantly working on increasing the, the protocol. Now, any changes to Bitcoin are backwards compatible, meaning... Not always, but there usually are. Okay, um, okay. So, okay. So basically, any changes have to typically have to work on anything that's occurred on the network before, uh, <laughs> but they improve something going forward. And so... In that way, um, you can the government could try to lock up everyone who's a Bitcoin core developer, and everyone would just continue to run nodes, which is the right Bitcoin now. Deck. Now the Bitcoin ecosystem may that may be hampered in its development if that were to occur, because ultimately, look, like I'm not a I'm not a programmer, right? Like I'm trusting that these people who are doing whatever they're doing in Taproot and changing the Schnorr signature, changing to a Schnorr signature from an <laughs> elliptical curve dot signature. Like, I don't know the mathematical soundness of one or the other. I'm just like, yeah, you guys are probably right. Because if you weren't, 
you're probably way more deeply invested in Bitcoin than me. And I imagine that you would have an incentive to not screw yourself. And that's kind of the attraction of Bitcoin is because everybody's got an incentive not to cheat. And everybody's got an incentive to work together. Because if we work together and don't cheat, we all benefit. Because we all benefit when Bitcoin's prominence increases. So, Exactly. Warren Buffett says, don't underestimate the power of incentives. And I think Bitcoin is so well designed in that way that it is just a series of incentives that causes me to think it's going to live forever, uh, a lot longer than other currencies we or us so yeah yeah you know what's i i can't remember who who said this but i read this in a book and i think it might have been Seif dean um the guy who wrote the bitcoin standard but i don't think it was because i don't want to put words in his mouth especially after i'm about to say what i'm about to say but he would probably (laughs) he would probably agree with me anyway though um i read somewhere that the reason that stealing and cheating is so prevalent in our society is because it's incentivized. And that sounds really counterintuitive because you're like, what do you mean it's incentivized? Like you go to jail if you get caught. Right. But if you don't get caught, you get the stuff. So unlike I'm gonna Bitcoin. Shoot, I'm going to shoot 67 today. Just, just letting everyone know. Oh, but, is that good? Uh, yeah. 67 is below par, but. Um, the, I'll probably win some money, but the, I guess the point I'm trying to make is, um, I'm going to cheat and I'm not going to get caught. Oh, okay. (laughs) I got it. So, (laughs) so uh, if you were Tiger Woods, um, you wouldn't need to, but because you aren't, there's an incentive to cheat and there's a penalty that came about correspondingly because there's an incentive to cheat. If there was no benefit to cheating, people wouldn't cheat. And that's Bitcoin. You yeah. can try to cheat. You it's not that you're it's not that you're gonna get caught. It's because if you were gonna get caught, there would be an incentive to cheat and get away with it. But you cannot cheat. Be, I mean, I, I guess if you could manipulate 51% of the hash power, but then if you do that, you're going to break Bitcoin's credibility and congratulations, you stole all the Bitcoin and they're freaking worthless. So that's like, there's just like, it's a circle. Yeah. Like yeah. you cannot cheat, you cannot steal, uh, reliably speaking, and Lightning Network's built on this. I mean, like it's the first truly self-incentivizing self, um, what do they call it? Like a flywheel or like it, 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 it. It, it keeps itself going uh, and it keeps it rewards you for being honest because it adds value to the ecosystem. It's and that's not like our normal society. <laughs> no, Bitcoin is decentralized. It's in virtually every there, there's nodes in every country. I imagine so. Yeah. There's miners and probably close to every country and uh, that I, that I probably would, would disagree with yeah. um, just because a node costs a couple hundred bucks one time. If that, if you have an old laptop, you can run a node with a, with a, with a terabyte of memory. Um, whether so l- l- but let's m- say miners are in 75% of countries or I bet you they're in six, every continent, in 60, every continent. Right. And it's, it also works well where it's cold because uh it's a lot of a lot of energy it's not a lot of creates, heat right creates heat and so but but, but i guess the, the, the i'm trying to, to wrap this part up and and so what i'm saying is that 
Bitcoin is all over the world and the incentive is for everyone to work together on it. Right. And there, there, there's minor and nodes virtually everywhere. So no single government can turn off the Bitcoin network. They can right. only turn themselves off from the Bitcoin network. Right, which is so disadvantageous to them. <laughs> very disadvantageous. Now, um, let's just talk about how Bitcoin is secure real quick. And then yeah. I think next week, or maybe two weeks from now, what we'll talk about is more the, the macro environment and why we think Bitcoin is the solution to a lot of what's going on. Today, we've talked a lot about what the Bitcoin network is, uh, right. but why don't you talk about how it's secure? So part of that security model is that checks and balances system that I was just mentioned in. So the nodes make sure that the miners are being honest and the miners make sure that the nodes can send transactions because the nodes don't have the electricity uh, expenditure invested to verify everybody's transactions like the miners do. So it's that checks and balances system, very similarly to what the United States government is set up like, uh, which is why it's so crazy that the United States doesn't embrace Bitcoin because it's, it's, it's like the most American of ideas. I mean, it truly is. It's about everybody, including everyone, uh, empowering everyone, giving something to work for, checks and balances system, not too much power in any central hand. Like that is literally like what America was founded on. But we have yeah. lost, we have lost our way as a country. Liberty, yeah, and the pursuit of happiness and freedom of of speech and freedom and censorship resistance. I mean, that's part of what protects Bitcoin too. Is like you can't, no one, no one can tell you what to do with your Bitcoin. Um, now they can, there can incentives can steer you. I think that's where people maybe get confused. It's like incentives can steer you very powerfully, but no one's forcing you to do anything. You can send your Bitcoin all to the burn address if you want to. It'll help everybody because that'll decrease the supply forever. So, I mean, like there's no one, no one makes you use Bitcoin. No one makes you not use it. It's simply a thing that you do because you trust and, and have more faith in it than the current currency that you're using to account for your value that you trade your time for. So, I mean, really, like, money is just a, a placeholder for a time that we spent in the past. And, and the time that we spent in the past is sunk cost. So all we can do at this point is, like, decide where do we want our money to – where is our money going to – where do I have faith that my money's going to hold its value best. And I think it's Bitcoin because of the characteristics of its properties that we're talking about. Yeah. So, it, you know, that security and, and inability for a middleman to come and manipulate the supply, manipulate your ability to send and receive, manipulate the, the uh, all, you know, who you can send it to, like, all those things give me confidence that those qualities are going to be valuable to other people because they're valuable to me. And then therefore the currency itself will have more value. Right. I, I love the argument that it's, uh, that it's for the black market and it's for drug kingpins and all that, because it is literally that the blockchain is the most transparent thing in the world. You, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a matter of figuring out who was doing what sure. Um, but with the U.S. dollar, we don't get a U.S. dollar and printed on it was every person that's ever transacted in it, what right. they bought or 
you know? And so this is what's possible with Bitcoin and the blockchain. It's going to be far more transparent, far more secure than any currency we've ever used before. Yeah. And like all things is trade-offs, right? So that transparency is great. The transparency is also really bad because it gives people who maybe not don't, who maybe don't have good intentions an ability to track data that they don't, maybe that you don't want them to have. And that's not to say that you're doing anything bad. Maybe they're the bad guys, right? What is good and bad anyway? As I get older, I'm starting to wonder, like, I think more things are gray. I don't know that the government is good or bad. I think they're, everyone is trying. We're all trying to get through life the best we can based on the values that we feel are important to us. And I'm not in any position to tell anyone who, what, what values are important to them. I just know it's ones that are important to me and can make an educated guess on the commonality ones that we have and that we'll have similar ones in the future based on, you know, how events unfold. But yeah, I mean like the, you know, the, the, the network's going to, it's going to go through ebb and flows and like the privacy is going to increase and taproot, which I mentioned just briefly uh, is going to have a trade-off too. Like it maybe the way taproot's going to work is that it's going to put everybody's public keys like right there. So quantum, it's going to make the Bitcoin blockchain more quantum susceptible. Um, so in that regard, taproot's a terrible upgrade. Uh, also it's going to make transaction fees, much lower, well, not much lower, but it's going to make transaction fees lower, particularly for multi-signature types of wallets. And it's also going to make all transactions look the same. So it helps with privacy. So it's like, you know, like you, you, you create like four problems fixing one and, and that's just life, you know, like we figured out electric, <laughs> we figured out electricity and now we have CO2 emissions to deal with as a, as a result. But I wouldn't necessarily say that electricity is a bad thing. Right. And so I think the lack of privacy is a bad thing, but it's also a good thing. Right. So there'll be developments through lightning network, through side chains, through, um, through, through other protocol upgrades that increase the privacy without sacrificing the other qualities, which we very much so desire. So that was the 301 course. We started with the 101 course, but now um, Zach's on to something else. So, so Zach, <laughs> why, don't, why don't next week we, um, we talk about what can stop Bitcoin? Uh, so we'll talk about the risks and then we'll Preclude. talk about where... Let me... Where, no, let no, me no, get... no, no. <laughs> I, I got to go. Uh, so we'll talk about what can stop Bitcoin? And we'll talk about why we're so excited about it from an economic standpoint, a macroeconomic standpoint, which to me, that's the most exciting part. Uh, the technology yeah. and how it works, I'm really happy we, we talked about this. And I think a lot of people had questions. And if, um, and, you know, we didn't explain everything, but this yeah, will at least lead people to start doing the research on their own. So Very I'm going to go cheat, cheat myself to a, a, a course record. Um, and Zach, any final thoughts for today? Yep. Three thoughts. Okay. B Bitcoin dropped by 10,000 US dollar per Bitcoin in the last 24 hours. If you didn't like it at 65 and you still don't like it at 55, maybe this isn't for you. Um, second point, no one can shut it down. So that's a precluding 
uh, tr- uh, teaser for next for the next episode. Nothing can shut it down. Anyone who tries will fail. Um, and the third is uh, if you guys are still watching our podcast every second one, we would love to subscribe, leave a comment. If we did miss some things that are like, cause I, I tend to ramble when I talk about Bitcoin and I, you know, trying to keep me focused is Bo's, uh, Bo's goal with this podcast. So um, if you're, if you have some questions, you know, you can reach out to either one of us on Twitter or leave a comment in the YouTube. Uh, um, but yeah, we're all figuring this out together. And so depending on when you're listening to like, Maybe in a couple of years, this stuff isn't even, hopefully it's close to relevant still, but, um, but yeah. So thank you guys for watching, Bo. You want to sign us off? Yeah, I'll sign us off. Um, quickly, Zach, what kind of product have you used in your hair today? Uh, I did use L'Oreal shampoo. You know, I like the smelly stuff. My, my, uh, my, I shouldn't have said that on live TV, but I like the, uh, is it, you like it? <laughs> I, I, I like it. I, I have some uh, Kevin Morby Easy Rider in my hair. And then I put on a ski helmet. So that's my look today. Last week was hats. So yeah. we talked about the hats we were wearing. So today's our hair products. And hair product. Yeah, we got to keep. Next week, uh, I plan it. My hair's getting so long that I might wear a ponytail pretty soon. So cool. mine's, mine's a do-rag next week. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to Value Stack, where we talk all things stacking sats and value investing. We're Bo and Zach, Shaper Funds and BTC Bet, and have a wonderful week.